0: That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback.
1: From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 14th of July 2022, from the news section. Boy, 14, attacked by a group of thugs at Clyde Walkway at Motherwell's Hamilton Road. By Rebecca Newlands. A teenage boy has been attacked by a brazen group of thugs while walking along a busy area of the River Clyde. The 14-year-old was walking along the Clyde walkway on the evening of Sunday, July the 10th. At around 9pm, he was approached by a group between Hawk Nature Reserve and the Overbridge at Hamilton Road in Motherwell. The victim was then hospitalised and treated for injuries on his back and hands. While there are no descriptions of potential suspects, cops are now investigating the incident, which they believe to be targeted. Police Constable Ross Preston of the Motherwell Community Policing Team said, Although the motive for the attack has still to be confirmed, we believe at this time it was a targeted attack. No matter the cause, the fact is that a 14-year-old boy has been hospitalised after being attacked by a group of people who have been brazen enough to carry out the attack in a commonly used area by the River Clyde. This sort of behaviour will not be tolerated. If you have any information that may assist with the inquiry, please contact the Community Policing Team at Motherwell via 101, quoting Reference 3007 of July 11, 2022. Alternatively, details can be passed anonymously to Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. That article was by Rebecca Newlands
0: from the Glasgow Times of Thursday, the 14th of July, 2022, from the opinion section. Rory Kelly, council cleanups will make huge improvements to Glasgow's neighbourhoods. If 100 random people on Glasgow streets were asked what the city council is responsible for, no doubt the vast majority would say bins, roads and parks. Of course, local government does so much more than just this, but it is these neighbourhood services which are often the most visible and impacting on our day-to-day lives. And this is doubly so when issues emerge. The impact of the global pandemic over these past two and a half years has created unprecedented challenges for the delivery of all public services and the Council is far from immune. We know that the look and feel of our communities has suffered. Few areas of what the Council delivers have been as badly impacted as neighbourhood services. Now though, as we re-emerge from the hardships and restrictions of COVID, there is a renewed focus on addressing some of the issues in our communities. Issues like potholes, weeds, and street lighting, which affect the look and feel of our neighborhoods. As Glasgow recovers, we have to make sure that's reflected in every corner of the city. Talking to voters during the election campaign it was clear they understood the impossibility of business as usual during the pandemic and that there had been consequences. The people of Glasgow are not daft, no matter how some political parties might treat them. But what was clear was that people expected us not simply to catch up but to deliver improvements in their local communities and they wanted to be involved and to have their say. In anticipation of the full resumption of services, the SNP green budget in February devolved £1 million to each of the 23 wards in Glasgow, giving local residents and grassroots grassroots organisations an opportunity to determine how that is spent. This is the largest council investment in our city's neighbourhoods in many years and the biggest opportunity for residents to have a direct say in how that money is spent over the next year there will also be a program of deep cleans and weeks of action every community in the city will have dedicated resources so that an immediate impact is noticeable this will include parks and cleansing staff gully cleaning teams, graffiti removal and enforcement along with our housing association partners and local police officers. The first of these weeks of action recently took place in End, and the difference after days of intense working is night and day. But we have to ensure that once the areas have been cleaned that they are maintained at this level. That involves working with communities better coordinating resources and tackling fly-tipping and littering. Every dumped mattress or kitchen is time away from the jobs we all want our hard-working and dedicated staff to be doing. The Council will do its bit, and that includes the deployment of new enforcement officers to help identify those who treat our neighbourhoods with such disrespect environmental crime is just that, a crime. I'm confident that with the investments we've made and the program of works in place, we will see huge improvements in all of Glasgow's local neighbourhoods in the weeks and months to come. Glasgow is all our city and we are determined that the pride and resilience of our residents is matched by the commitment of their council. It's great to see work beginning on the restoration of Glasgow Province Lordship Museum with an investment of £1 million from the Glasgow City Council Capital Fund. The much-loved museum will undergo repairs to the roof, chimneys and downpipes, treatment to stop and prevent rising damp, and a new Lime Harling render, which will better preserve the fabric of the building and return it to an authentic 15th century appearance. The interior will benefit from structural improvements and replacement windows and doors. Work is expected to take around one year, and Glasgow Life plans to reopen Province Lordship to the public in summer 2023 allowing citizens and tourists the opportunity to visit this cultural and historical asset once again, for the first time since March 2020. With Proven Hall in my own ward, I may not be ready to cede the title of Glasgow's oldest house to province lordship, but it will be fantastic to get both these historic buildings open to the public again inspiring project one of the best parts of being a councillor has been working with inspiring communities as they take the initiative on what they want to see in their neighborhood flourishing malandinar is one such project led by saint paul's youth forum and black hill on bikes they are redesigning the streets and active travel network in the northeast This is one of the largest and most ambitious community-led design projects the country has seen, and we are now at the point of seeking funding for delivery. The project will be a testament to community power, beginning with sketches and a Minecraft project with local children and resulting in millions of pounds of local infrastructure. With our 20-minute neighbourhoods, locality planning, And in extensive active travel development underway, the co design of our built environment will be more important than ever. Local politics is something we do with communities, not to communities. This article was by Rory Kelly.
1: From the Glasgow Times, Thursday, the 14th of July, 2022 from the news section Glasgow City Council's new litter hubs cause public backlash by Rebecca Newlands Glasgow City Council has received a public backlash after introducing new litter picking hubs which encourage people to pick litter themselves the council posted on their social media channels that they had installed 62 new litter picking stations across the city for members of the public to use if they wish The post read, 62 community litter picking hubs are now in place across Glasgow in locations including parks, schools and even Costa Coffee. Equipment can be borrowed for free by anyone who is keen to do a litter pick in their area. But the idea has received a backlash and even abuse from locals who feel they are now being asked to do what they pay council tax for. One person commented, people shouldn't litter in the first instance, but really beginning to wonder where our council tax is going. Another said, hey, we pay council tax and have enough to do keeping our homes and gardens tidy and running to the tip with excess waste. One added, pay council tax and then clean up for free. Aye, very good. Try putting bins in the streets and parks in the first place. While another asked, isn't that why we pay our high council tax? Meanwhile, some residents highlighted the issue of people dropping litter in the city and the hubs being a requirement. One person commented, shame that people blame the council for litter when it's people who discard it, yet the council has people picking it out, but the problem is so bad. As as quick as it's been cleaned up, it's messed up again. Why do people think it's okay to drop their litter is the main issue. Another added, maybe people should just take more care and put their rubbish in the bins rather than just toss it. GCC later issued an update to the original post to address that they were receiving more abusive comments as well. They wrote, We know litter is a hot topic, but there is absolutely no place for abuse on our channels. If you are found breaking our house rules, you will have your comments removed and will be banned from posting on our page. We absolutely encourage healthy debate, but swearing, calling names and being abusive about or to staff will not be tolerated. A Glasgow City spokesperson told the Glasgow Times, We have house rules for our social media channels that we introduced a few years ago to tackle abusive language that can sometimes appear on our channels. We are all for encouraging healthy debate, but sometimes we need to remind people that these are public forums and it will not be tolerated, as was the case with the post yesterday. We understand that littering can be very topical, but the language of some of the posts were unacceptable. That article was by Rebecca Newlands. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 14th of July 2022, from the news section. Samo Farah trafficking revelation being investigated by Met Police by Carlos Simone. The Met Police have announced that they are launching an investigation into the revelation that Samo Farah was trafficked to the UK illegally under the name of another child. The four-time Olympic champion, 39, revealed in the BBC documentary The Real Mo Farah how he was brought to Britain from Somalia illegally, having assumed the name of another child after his father was killed in the civil war. His real name is Hussein Abdi Kahin, but he will continue to go by Mo Farah. In a statement on the revelation, the Met Police said, We are aware of reports in the media concerning Sir Mo Farah. No reports have been made to the MPS, Metropolitan Police Service, at this time. Specialist officers have opened an investigation and are currently assessing the available information. The Home Office earlier confirmed it would not take action against Samo after he revealed the information. Why did Samo Farah create the documentary? In the documentary broadcast on Wednesday night, Samo said he was helped to obtain UK citizenship, by his school PE teacher, Alan Watkinson, while still using the name Mohamed Farah. Ahead of the broadcast, Samo said he created the documentary for his family. He wrote on Instagram, I am so proud to have represented Great Britain and to achieve what I have as a GB athlete, but my proudest achievement will always be a husband and father to my amazing family. I did this documentary for them, so they could understand more about the experiences that led us to becoming the family we are today. Not every child will have the easiest start in life, but that doesn't mean they can't go on to achieve their dreams. I hope you'll all watch later, and I can't wait to hear what you think. That article was by Carlo Simone.
0: From the Glasgow Times of Thursday, the 14th of July, 2022, from the opinion section, Soraya Siddiq: Tory leadership candidates are like hammer house of horrors. Nothing defines a Prime Minister than the manner of their going. Contrast the non-resignation statement and denial of responsibility from Boris Johnson with the dignified exit of Gordon Brown all those years ago. Johnson's tenure has damaged politics and it is time to move on from the circus. No tears should be shed for a prime minister with a history mired with sexist, homophobic and racist comments. In one Islamophobic incident, Johnson compared Muslim women to letterboxes. As a woman of faith, I face inequality on a regular basis. And I never expected this from a prime minister. The question now is how many of the Tory MPs who are jockeying to become the prime minister stood by and ignored Boris's bigotry and conduct. The Tory leadership candidates are like the hammer house of horror, horrors. It is difficult to decide who from this motley crew would be any good for our local communities and country. It isn't just about the Prime Minister going, it is now time for a new government. It is time for a general election and Labour to replace this rotten government. We need vision, new ideas and people at the heart of decision making. Whilst the Tories typically focus on tax cuts, the reality is energy prices are a real pressure point for far too many glass regions. I have been approached by a number of constituents who are experiencing increasing difficulty in paying their domestic energy bills. Given that the impending raising of the price cap will make the current situation considerably worse for many vulnerable consumers of energy, I am very concerned that many Glaswegians will struggle to keep their homes warm this winter with potentially serious consequences for their health and well-being. All levels of national and local government, including suppliers and Ofgem, must do more to buffer children and families from this unfair pressure. It is also of growing concern that too many of our libraries and community centres remain closed or have restricted opening times. If ever our communities needed warm spaces to apply for jobs, study and attend their club, it's now. The need for warm banks as well as food banks is expected to rise. When libraries are properly funded and resourced, they are educational and social vehicles. Living in overcrowded housing, it was my local library, the reliable resource, safe space where I spent many evenings and weekends studying for exams and completing coursework. Without the much needed resource, I doubt I would have gone to university. The words of Nelson Mandela come to mind. Education is the most powerful weapon which we can use to change the world. Local community facilities must be opened now. It does not require any new data or analysis to determine their importance in health well-being and tackling inequality. Thanks to community activists, local communities and my Labour colleagues who continue to campaign for the needed and loved community facilities to reopen as a matter of priority, especially in light of the cost of living crisis. There needs to be a fairer funding model from Scottish Government to local councils to ensure these vital facilities remain open and functioning to full capacity. Rest assured, Labour will stand with our fellow Glaswegians to ensure their voices are heard in the corridors of power, because Glasgow Labour care, and we love Glasgow. This article was by Soraya Sadiq.
2: From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of July 2022, from the news section Gone Too Soon, Body of Paisley Man Discovered in Glencoe. By Stacey Mullen. The body of a Paisley man has been discovered in Glencoe. Police said Gordon Dawn was found in the water at Lochin na on Wednesday, June 29th. The 48 year old is from the Paisley area. In a statement, his family said, Gordon has gone too soon. He will be sadly missed by his family and everyone who knew him. Detective Sergeant June Newsom said, Our thoughts are with Gordon's family at this difficult time and they have asked for privacy. I would also like to thank the public who responded to our appeal to identify Gordon. His death has not been treated as suspicious and, as with all sudden deaths, a report has been sent to the procurator fiscal. And that article was by Stacey Mullen. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of July, 2022, from the news section, Glasgow mum attacked cops at her Glasgow flat. Exclusive by Catriona Stewart A mum attacked two cops after they were called out to a disturbance at her flat. Chloe Marshall lashed out at police during the incident on July 3rd 2020 and kicked and hit them. But Sheriff Simone Sweeney was told last week the young mum was working hard to change her life. The deputy fiscal told Glasgow Sheriff Court the incidents happened at 9.30pm as cops had been contacted in relation to an ongoing disturbance at the property. Police attended and were met by Sweeney who, the court was told, was heavily intoxicated and hostile. Sweeney, from Castle Milk, immediately became violent to police who were making efforts to calm her down. Officers then entered Sweeney's property and she punched one of them to the arm. She was told she was under arrest and at this point began to kick out, push and scratch the arms of both officers. While being restrained, the 24-year-old managed to kick one of the police to the leg. Sweeney's defence lawyer said his client's ex partner had just been at the property and they had been arguing. He had taken her mobile phone and smashed it. The solicitor said she was upset and hostile and had taken alcohol. The officers mentioned seeing broken glass in the floor of the property, but that had come from the mobile phone. She is doing well now. A significant degree of maturity has grown in her and she's looking after her and her son's interests now. Sweeney was placed on a structured deferred sentence and told to appear back in court in four months' time. And that article was an exclusive by Catriona Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of July 2022, from the news section, Anger and worry are growing. Glasgow school, early years and cleansing workers could take strike action. By Stuart Patterson. Public sector workers have been balloted for strike action because a pay offer is derisory and we're turning a crisis into a catastrophe, unions have said. Thousands of school, early years, cleansing and environmental workers in Glasgow could take action next month. In Glasgow, it could hit schools as cleaners and support staff are involved in the ballot, and unions said it could be the first wave of action as other parts of the public sector could be balloted in the coming months if offers do not improve. GMB, Unite and Unison are currently balloting for industrial action over a 2% pay offer, which leaders say is a real terms cut. Union leaders say many of the workers are earning below 25,000 pounds, which the Chartered Institute of Personnel Development has said is a level at which people can be considered low paid. The union say the offer amounts to less than 10 pounds a week for these workers. The 2% across the board offer, the union say, will disproportionately benefit public sector officials on higher wages while leaving those at the lower end struggling with the rising cost of living. GMB said the lowest rate on the pay scales is £9.78 per hour or £18,816 for a 37-hour week. A 2% rise would mean an extra 19p per hour or £376 a year, just £7.23 a week. At the higher end, 2% for the highest rates at 85,521 would mean an extra £1,710 a year. Official figures show that 51% of the council workforce covered in the pay bargaining earn below £25,000 a year. At £24,915 per year, a 2% rise would mean an extra £498 a year or £9.57 a week. The unions asked for a £3,000 flat rate across all grades. Gear Greenway, GMB regional organiser, said The biggest cost of living crisis in 40 years could turn into a catastrophe for tens of thousands of low-paid workers and local government. The 2% pay increase on the table won't amount to more than a tenner a week for the likes of school cleaners, support staff and cleansing workers. In case anyone needs reminding, They are just some of the key workers that were applauded on the doorsteps two years ago by the same politicians now denying them a pay deal that confronts soaring inflation and eye-watering energy bills. Anger and worry are growing because the 2% was roundly rejected in spring, politicians are sleeping in the summer and the autumn energy price hike will give way to a brutal winter where many workers won't be able to afford to heat and eat, never mind one or the other. Unison states, This offer is derisory it will exacerbate the gap between those in the lowest and those in the highest rates of pay. And this is in sharp contrast to the 5.2% increase that councillors themselves have just received from April the 1st, 2022. A causeless spokesperson responded, We remain in ongoing negotiations with our trade union partners. And that article was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of July 2022, from the news section... Man airlifted to hospital in Glasgow after boat capsizes in the River Clyde By Sarah Campbell A man was airlifted to a Glasgow hospital yesterday after his boat capsized in the River Clyde. Close to 3.30pm, Coast Guard personnel from Greenock, Helensburgh, and RNLI Helensburgh raced to respond to reports of persons in the water somewhere between Port Glasgow and Cardross. They discovered two people who had been in the water for close to an hour before being seen by a passing train driver who stopped to help. After they were safely removed from the river, one man was taken to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital in Glasgow by an emergency rescue helicopter. The second was taken to nearby Cardross train station where he was met by ambulance crews. The Greenock Coast Guard rescue team said, Both casualties were thankfully wearing flotation aids which has kept him afloat whilst being in the water for approximately 60 minutes. Thanks to Scotrail and British Transport Police, Scotland, for their assistance. And that piece was by Sarah Campbell. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of July, 2022, from the news section, Man who is unable to feed or dress himself is denied disability payments, by Gordon McCracken. A seriously ill man has hit out at benefits bosses after he was denied disability payments despite being unable to feed or dress himself. John Doherty, who suffers from sciatica and se- severe nerve damage, was shot when the Department of Work and Pensions, DWP, told him he was not eligible for personal independence payments, PIP, a form of financial support available to people with severe disabilities. The grandfather, from Greenock, said his condition prevents him from completing simple tasks like opening a jar or putting on his clothes. But a DWP assessment, seen by her sister titled the Greenwich Telegraph, said that Mr. Doherty should not be awarded the assistant payments as they believe his mobility is adequate. While the report into Mr. Doherty's condition admitted that the 50-year-old still needed aid to prepare simple meals and wash, his claim for support payments was still refused. Mr. Doherty told the Greenock Telegraph that the decision had been devastating. He said, I'm in agony on a daily basis and can't walk more than a few metres without losing my balance. People have had to carry me home before as I fall over in the street or have taken a seizure. I provided the assessors with photos of all the injuries I suffered from falling over. There were everything from cuts and graces to broken bones and black eyes. I don't know what's going to happen next, I wouldn't wish this struggle on anyone. It's difficult to go downstairs, my hands don't work properly so I struggle to grip things and the pain in my legs just leaving me unable to get about. I worked hard when I was younger and I never took time off when I was struggling. Now I wish I had looked after my health because it's not done me any good. I've worked myself into the ground in the long run. I can't get into a lot of the rooms in my house and I struggle to cook for myself. I basically live off takeaways because I can't open jars or lids. I have no grip at all. There are obstacles in my life every day which to other people would be simple things but my mobility is completely short. Being told I can't get any support because I'm apparently able to move myself about is a complete slap in the face. Mr. Doherty says that the rising cost of living have put extra strain in him financially and did not refuse PIP had put him in an even more difficult position. When contacted about Mr Doherty's situation, a DWP spokesperson chose not to comment on his specific circumstances. They said, Personal independence payment, PIP, assessments are carried out by healthcare professionals trained to consider the impact of someone's health condition or disability and they focus on an individual's functional needs arising from their long-term health condition or disability not the health condition or disability itself. Our priority is that the millions of people we support every year get the benefits to which they're entitled and to ensure they receive a supportive and compassionate service. And that article was by Gordon McCracken. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of July 2022, from the news section, Scott Drill confirms date for return of normal timetable after months of reduced services. By Laura Webster ScotRail has confirmed that its normal timetable will soon be reintroduced after months of reduced services caused by a dispute over pay for drivers. The recently nationalised rail operator cut hundreds of services in May amid a staff shortage and drivers refusing to work on rest days. Following the negotiations, members of the union Aslef agreed to accept ScotRail's improved 5% pay offer this week, meaning an end to disruption, from Wednesday, July the 20th, hundreds of services will be brought back and the temporary timetable brought to an end. ScotRail's head work is underway to ensure that the timetable can be fully restored with nearly 700 services and planning staff are working flat out to carry out the changes required. David Simpson, ScotRail service delivery director, said We are delighted to be able to introduce the timetable, adding almost 700 services each day and delivering the service that our customers expect and deserve. It has been a very challenging few months, impacting those across the country who rely on rail travel and on our staff too. It is a big step forward to reach such a positive resolution and continue in our efforts to provide the safest, greenest and most reliable railway we can. We thank customers for their patience through this period. And that article was by Laura Webster.
3: This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 15th July 2022, from the Lifestyle section. Alexander Parade and Easter House Free Festivals to Take Place, Here is What You Need to Know, by Anne Fotheringham. A famous Fancy Dress Parade is calling for East End groups to get involved as two free, family-friendly festivals return to the area after a two-year absence. Alexandra Park Festival Day and Parade, which features live music, food and kids' activities, will take place on Saturday, July 23rd and the Bridge Family Festival Day, which includes art workshops, bungee jumps, music and more, is happening on Saturday July 30th in Easterhouse. Both run from 12 noon until 4pm and admission is free. Matt Adicott, Artistic Director at Platform, said the festivals haven't taken place since 2019 due to Covid. So we and our local partners and supporters are delighted to run them once again and provide a great day out for families. These events are packed with feel-good fun activities with lots to see and do and we can't wait to welcome everyone along. We are also looking for local East End groups to join us in our fancy dress parade which is part of the Alexandra Park Festival Day on July 23rd. We want people to come dressed as their favourite fictional character to celebrate Scotland's Year of Stories. To take part, email info at platform-online.co.uk. That article was by Anne Fotheringham. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 15th July 2022, from the Lifestyle section. 4Play Crazy Golf in Glasgow Reveals New Cocktail Garden By Lauren Brownlee A crazy golf venue in Glasgow has revealed a brand new cocktail garden. 4Play Crazy Golf are ushering in long summer nights with their new space, complete with deck chairs, an outdoor bar cart and summer decor galore, popping up at the venue until August 28th. The Tea Aft Terrace will bring the summer vibes to the city, no matter the weather. Complimentary cocktails will be offered to customers every time Glasgow's weather reaches 20 degrees until Sunday, July 31st. Available to walk-ins and bookings, customers playing at least one round of Crazy Golf can redeem their free cocktail as soon as Glasgow heats up by visiting 4Play's front desk. Venue staff will verify the temperature each morning via Google Forecast. And if Glasgow is scheduled to reach 20 degrees Celsius at any point in the day, customers can claim their drink. The aft Terrace will host garden games including Cornhole and Giant Connect 4 in case guests are still feeling competitive after a game of crazy golf. It will also welcome the very best Glasgow DJs each Saturday night. Walk-ins are welcome or book now at fourplaycrazygolf.co.uk. That article was by Lauren Brownlee. This article is from The National, date 15th July 2022. From the Culture section. Van Gogh self-portrait discovered in Scotland could be worth £100 million by Jane MacLeod The never-before-seen Vincent Van Gogh portrait discovered by curators at the National Galleries of Scotland could be worth £100 million, an art historian has said. Speaking to BBC Scotland's The Nine on Thursday evening, Dr Bender Grosvenor said the last Van Gogh self-portrait to be sold in the market fetched seventy one million u s dollars or sixty million pounds in nineteen ninety eight It came after curators at the National Galleries of Scotland discovered a Van Gogh self-portrait on the opposite side of Head of a Peasant Woman when preparing the painting for an upcoming exhibition. Dr Grosvenor said the true value of the portrait would be difficult to determine due to the work that had to be done to the painting. It is very difficult to judge the value on the basis of the x-ray we've just seen, he said. First of all, there's a number of hurdles we've got to get through. Can they take the cardboard and glue off the back? And secondly, is it a fully finished portrait? I mean, maybe Van Gogh painted it out or covered it up or abandoned it because it was just a study. So we can't tell, but you're probably talking at least £100 million now. He called the discovery an extraordinary coup and said it would be impossible for a Scotland-based museum to buy a Van Gogh on the open market. There's only one other Van Gogh self-portrait in the UK public collection, and that's in London, Dr Grosvenor said in these hard-pressed times if you were to ask a museum here in scotland to go and find on the market a van gogh self-portrait it would just be absolutely impossible the last one for sale publicly was as long ago as 1998 and it made them 71 million dollars so this is an extraordinary coup and a fantastic discovery if it all comes off This is one of the most extraordinary acquisitions any museum could hope to make. So people will be flocking to the mound to see this picture. The self-portrait will be available to view in the exhibition A Taste for Impressionism at the Royal Scottish Academy Edinburgh from July 30th until November 13th. That article was by Jane MacLeod.
4: Glasgow Times, News, on Monday the 18th of July. BBC television licence could be replaced by a new tax levy. An article written by Kieran Doody, UK trending editor. UK households could face a new BBC tax, even if they don't have a television in their home. The change to the BBC television licence could see the current £159 a year fee axed to make way for a viable alternative to the current licence fee, a new report has suggested. The Lords Communications and Digital Committee said the model, in which each household would be required to pay a flat fee regardless of consumption, could provide the broadcaster with predictable and sustainable levels of income. In a report into the future funding of the BBC, the committee said it would need to be means-tested to make it fairer than the current model, with linking the fee to council tax a way of achieving this. This model has been adopted in Switzerland and in Germany, where people are charged for their public broadcasting service linked to how much property tax they pay. In the 73-page document, the committee said many of the advantages of the existing licence fee are under threat, and the model has become regressive. It ruled out two funding models touted widely during the ongoing debate over the corporation's funding. John O'Connell, chief executive of the Taxpayers' Alliance, said taxpayers shouldn't be forced to prop up the BBC via a licence fee or any other tax. This crazy concept is no better than the licence fee. It comes after the Culture Secretary Nadine Doris announced in January that the licence fee will be frozen at £159 for the next two years until April 2024. The Minister says she wants to find a new funding model before the current deal expires in 2027, as it's completely outdated. She also announced a review of the BBC's funding model, which she later said was due to begin before the Common summer recess on July the 22nd. although this has been thrown into doubt following the resignation of Boris Johnson as Tory leader. A BBC spokesperson said, We welcome the Lord's report. We agree we need to keep reforming, which is what we've been doing at pace. Clearly the BBC needs to keep relevant, and we welcome the report's finding that a market failure BBC wouldn't be a good outcome. Beyond that, we're open-minded about the future, and it's right that there is a debate on whether the licence fee needs to evolve, and if so, what comes next. An article written by Kieran Doody. Glasgow Times, News, on Monday the 18th of July. BT and Openreach workers to strike next week an article written by Kieran Doody, UK Trending Editor. BT customers have been issued an 11-day warning ahead of disruption to services amid staff walkouts. BT and Openreach staff have voted to stage two 24-hour walkouts in a dispute over pay. Members of the Communication Workers' Union, or CWU, will strike on July 29th and August 1st after voting for industrial action last month. CWU General Secretary Dave Ward said, for the first time since 1987, strike action will now commence at BT Group. This is not a case of an employer refusing to meet a union's demands. This is about an employer refusing to meet us whatsoever. The serious disruption this strike may cause is entirely down to Philip Jansen, the BT chief executive, and his friends, who have chosen to stick two fingers up to their own workforce These are the same workers who kept the country connected during the pandemic. Without CWU members in the BT Group, there would have been no home working revolution and vital technical infrastructure may have malfunctioned or have been broken when our country most needed it. Our members worked under great difficulty and got a real terms pay cut as a reward. The reason for the strike is simple. Workers will not accept a massive deterioration in their living standards. We won't have bosses using Swiss banks while workers are using food banks. We're not going to stop until we win. A BT Group spokesperson said, At the start of this year we were in exhaustive discussions with the CWU that lasted for two months, trying hard to reach an agreement on pay. When it became clear that we were not going to reach an accord, we took the decision to go ahead with awarding our team members and frontline colleagues the highest pay award in more than 20 years, effective from the 1st of April. We have confirmed to the CWU that we won't be reopening the 2022 pay review, having already made the best award we could. We're balancing the complex and competing demands of our stakeholders, and that includes making once-in-a-generation investments to upgrade the country's broadband and mobile networks, vital for the UK economy and for BT Group's future, including our people. The spokesperson added, While we respect the choice of our colleagues who are CWU members to strike, we will work to minimise any disruption and keep our customers and the country connected. We have tried and tested processes for large-scale colleague absences to minimise any disruption for our customers, and these were proved during the pandemic. An article written by Kieran Doody. Glasgow Times, News, on Monday the 18th of July. Fraudster took nearly £9,000 from five victims. An exclusive front-page article written by Lauren Brownlee, senior reporter. A fraudster who charged people for gardening work he never carried out has been ordered to pay the money back. Crown man James Adair scammed a total of £8,891 from five different victims between February the 26th 2020 and October the 19th the same year. The 38-year-old appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court for sentencing last week. Prosecutor Derek Buchanan said the accused used an email address which included the words Glasgow Landscaping. He offered to carry out work. Various complainers made payment and the accused simply did not appear to carry out the work. He didn't respond to requests from the complainers. They made reports to police and the accused was subsequently arrested in relation. The court heard that none of the money has been repaid. One woman from Cantine, who was scammed out of £2,145 by Mr Adair, told the prosecutor the incident has had a significant impact on her life and made her feel vulnerable and scared. A man from Bearsden was scammed £4,600 from Mr Adair. Meanwhile, a Rob Royston woman handed over £1,000. He also took £710 from a man in Lesmahagow, and £436 from a man in Lensey. Sheriff Patricia Price told Mr Adair's solicitor, I'm very concerned about the course of conduct over an extensive period of time. He's got a record, but it's not analogous. I understand he's obtained new employment. The lawyer replied, Just this week he's secured full-time employment. He's wanted for some time to make repayment, but he's been subject to bail conditions not to contact the complainers. He was told not to contact any of them, Sheriff Price said. He could have put the money into a different bank account and made payment today. He's held on to these people's money, and I'm sure some will be elderly. You heard the comment from one complainer. She feels scared and vulnerable. He was quick enough to take their money, but he's not so quick to repay it. Sentencing was deferred for six months. Sheriff Price told Mr Adair, This offence meets custody. You seem to suggest for some people this wouldn't have had an impact because they're rich. You've left a woman feeling vulnerable and scared in her own home. I will allow you the opportunity to make repayment and I expect a substantial amount of this to be paid off when you're back. If you don't make repayment, then all options remain open and these include custody. Mr Adair will return to court in January. An exclusive front page article written by Lauren Brownlee. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 18th of July. Paramedics got back in their ambulance and locked the doors, due to the behaviour of a Glasgow man. An exclusive article written by Lauren Brownlee, senior reporter. A man who was lying unresponsive in the back of a taxi went on to brandish an aftershave bottle at paramedics who were called to help him. An ambulance was called for David McGowan, who's 31, at 10pm on July the 20th, 2020 paramedics attended to the taxi on Shore Street in Govan and attempted to arouse him but he remained unresponsive. He was believed to be intoxicated and medical observations were carried out but Mr McGowan woke up and began frantically reaching for the front of the taxi. Efforts made to calm him down failed and he began to shout and swear at the paramedics. Mr McGowan got a glass bottle of aftershave from his jumper pocket and brandished it towards them while continuing to shout and swear. The fearful paramedics returned to the ambulance, locked the doors and contacted police. Police officers attended and whilst being told what had happened, Mr McGowan re-emerged from a nearby pub. He was arrested and taken to Helen Street Police Office and made no reply when cautioned and charged Mr McGowan appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court this week for sentencing after previously pleading guilty to behaving in a threatening and abusive manner by shouting, swearing, uttering offensive remarks and brandishing the aftershave bottle. His lawyer revealed his client had little recollection of the incident given the intoxicated state he was in. The defence solicitor added, perhaps the most positive thing is that he has desisted from offending since July 2020 and there are no outstanding matters. He's been assessed as being at low risk of reoffending. There's a good reason why he can't do unpaid work. In regard to a restriction of liberty order, it doesn't appear to be, I don't want to do it, it would impact his mental health. Supervision or a structured deferred sentence could be imposed. He has a relatively limited record. But Sheriff Charles Lugton replied, I have some reservation about supervision or a structured deferred sentence, as it was an unpleasant incident involving paramedics, but the disposals are fairly limited. The court heard Mr McGowan was also not suitable for a fine. His lawyer said, When I spoke to him about the lack of options, he said he would be willing to try a restriction of liberty order. Sheriff Lugton said, It doesn't seem to be an option, before turning to Mr McGowan and adding, This was an unpleasant incident. That said, sentencing options are quite limited here. I think it's clearly relevant, and in your favour, that you've been out of trouble. With hesitation, I am prepared to deal with this more leniently than what I might usually do. Mr McGowan was placed under social work supervision for nine months. An exclusive article written by Lauren Brownlee. Glasgow Times News On Monday the 18th of July. Excursion Team Deeply Sorry Over Cancellation An article written by Rebecca Newlands, digital journalist. A popular sailing excursion from Glasgow had to be cancelled at short notice. The Waverley excursions, which depart from the city's River Clyde and take guests around the west coast of Scotland, did not run at all yesterday. This was due to an electrical fault on the historic paddle steamer, which was identified on Saturday evening and could not be repaired in time. Announcing the disappointing news on social media, the team wrote, We sincerely apologise for having to make this late cancellation and for any inconvenience this will cause. Those with pre-booked advanced tickets will be contacted and will be able to transfer their tickets to any other sailing. A full refund can also be requested if anyone does not wish to transfer their booking. A special event which was planned for yesterday's sale has also been rescheduled. The post continued, We have rescheduled the Pirates, Princesses and Superheroes event to Sunday July the 31st, which is the next date when Waverley is due to undertake the same sailing route that was planned for Sunday July the 17th. Once again, we're deeply sorry for making such a late cancellation, but sourcing a spare part on a Saturday evening hasn't been possible. Sailing timetables for today and tomorrow were still hoped to go ahead. An article written by Rebecca Newlands
1: from the Glasgow Times, Tuesday, the 19th of July, 2022, from the news section. Barlini Prison set to be replaced by HMP Glasgow, by Lauren Brownley. Glasgow's Barlini is set to be replaced by a new jail. HMP Glasgow will be a modern facility built on a 54-acre site in Proven Mill in the east end of the city. The Scottish Prison Service (SPS) has awarded Kier the pre-construction services contract to deliver the new prison, which is set to replace Victorian-era HMP Barlini in 2026. SPS intends that it will be designed to deliver safety and security through the use of technology in a way which supports positive outcomes for prisoners. Kier and its supply chain will begin work on the pre-construction phase, closely collaborating with SPS to deliver the very best possible design for the state-of-the-art new building. The company will explore options for delivering a net zero carbon facility, which also operates as a smart building, using automated processes and technology to support the operation of the new prison, for example, through automated prisoner movement. Theresa Medhurst, SPS Chief Executive, said, We are delighted to award the contract for pre-construction services to Keir Construction which represents a significant step forward in delivering the new HMP Glasgow. The investment that we have received from the Scottish Government means that we can continue to develop a prison estate which is fit for the 21st century. This significant capital project offers SPS the opportunity to work with Keir Construction, utilising a strategic alliance approach to create a single team ethic to ensure that operational, architectural and construction expertise is blended to create a facility that is innovative and sustainable, while promoting the strategic intent of the prison to, develop, to deliver in all areas of the Scottish Government's national outcomes." Liam Cummins, Group Managed Director of Care Construction, added, "...we are delighted to have been selected to deliver HMP Glasgow further strengthening our relationship with the Scottish Prison Service. This important project is an opportunity to deploy our extensive custodial experience combining engineering excellence, modern methods of delivery and our strong operational capability in Scotland developed over more than 30 years. We look forward to getting started on this first phase of work with the SBS and bringing their vision to life. This article was by Lauren Brownley.
0: From the classical times of Tuesday, the 19th of July, 2022 from the opinion section, Katrina Stewart, George Square redesign plans might be too good to be true. The new design proposals have been revealed for George Square and I hate to jinx it, they look good. John McCaslin and partners released a set of artists' impression of what the centre of Glasgow could look like after a major redesign of our important civic art. Our proposed reconfiguration aligns with the historic quadrant layout of the central space, a spokesman for the firm said, providing an overlay of new functionality to enhance this great space with a re-energised civility for decades to come. I think that's architect speak for it's going to be a belter with something for everyone. Though I'm not sure how a town square can be civil. Minor point, of course. The designs have been drawn up in response to a public engagement exercise asking people in the city what they want from George Square. Previous attempts to revamp the square have met with disaster. First, the atrocious 1990s redesign that ripped up the trees and laid down red asphalt. Then the ill-fated consultation in 2013 that saw a costly design bid launched. John McCaslin and partners named as the winner. And then the plug pulled on the whole process. From red asphalt to red nick. One of the standout features of the new designs is the amount of greenery. According to the survey, nearly 90% of people who responded wanted increased numbers of grass, plants, and trees in the square. And around 80% said they would spend more time there if it was greener. The suggested new plans make George square look like a sophisticated park, a much more inviting prospect than it is currently. We think about Glasgow as being a grey, rainy city much of the year. But as record heat this week shows, the UK is becoming hotter and we need to think forward about dealing with future temperatures as the planet heats up. Trees form a really important part of dealing with soaring temperatures. So it's pleasing to have shaded areas for people to sit underneath to shelter from the rain and shelter from the heat. Trees reduce how warm we feel our surroundings are, which is going to become an increasingly important issue, despite it being hard to contemplate when we keep looking out the window to grey skies. In recent years, the statues have been a contentious part of the George Square landscape, and the plans take into account how to respect the history and heritage of the city's statues, while acknowledging that they mean different things, or mean nothing, to different people. Once more detail emerges about what the plans to relocate the statues to other parts of the square or other parts of the city mean in practice, that will need some careful thought and careful public conversation. Another interesting development is the design showing full pedestrianisation outside the city chambers. At the moment, the road is closed thanks to the Spaces for People initiative developed during the pandemic to give more space for active travel. But the new plans show the road is gone. Instead, there's a fluidity between the square itself and the chamber's building. This is how it should be. No barriers between the outside of the political hub of the city and the front door. That is, people can just walk right up exactly as it should be. After multiple false starts, it finally feels like Glasgow is being offered a George Square it can be proud of. But it's up to residents to take a part in ensuring we're given that. There are lots of ways for residents of the city to get involved and give feedback. You can attend drop-in events, view the plans in George Square and respond to an online survey. There's really no excuse not to get involved. George Square belongs to Glasgow, and it's up to us to shape how it looks and what it's used for. Sure, you can moan about hating the design or feeling that the whole enterprise is a waste of money. But if you do that, you're only wasting your own time. George Square is the centerpiece of Glasgow. It's where people come together to rally and protest where we meet and socialise. It is the front garden to the city chambers where the vital decisions about the city are taken. It's the face of the city for visitors and tourists. We really have to get this right and it needs as much input as possible to ensure we do. After all, third time's a charm. This article was by Katrina Stewart. From the Glasgow Times of Tuesday the 19th of July 2022, from the opinion section, Mike Daly, time for a cost of living crisis bill to protect us all. Last month, the Scottish Parliament passed the Coronavirus Recovery and Reform Scotland Bill, which made a number of temporary COVID-19 public health protections permanent. The challenges of the pandemic have now been superseded by the UK's 40 year high rate of inflation and soaring energy bills. Our growing cost of living crisis is causing more financial misery for people than the COVID-19 pandemic. We've had no strategic emergency response from the Scottish Government, no cost of living emergency bill. Why not? The Scottish Government has increased the means-tested Scottish child payment to £20 per week, which helps around 104,000 children under the age of six. If this payment is extended to older children at the end of this year, it may help another 300,000 young persons. Debt law is devolved to the Scottish Parliament and with more people finding themselves in unmanageable debt, surely it's time for the Scottish Government to do more before things get worse. Alan Mackintosh thinks so. He's a Glasgow anti-debt campaigner who runs the Financial Conduct Authority authorised website, adviceScotland.com, and believes the Scottish government should bring forward urgent legislation to help people with the cost of living crisis. He's made 22 proposals that could help people in the coming months. Some of these are novel. Some have already been made by parliamentary committees like the Social Justice and Social Security Committee, while some are lessons learned from England. Others are proposals from groups like Citizens Advice Scotland and Christians Against Poverty, who are at the coal face of helping people with money troubles. Speaking about the need for new legislation, Alan said It's true the UK government could be doing more to help people, but it's equally true they cannot fix everything, as some of the problems are global in nature and some of the powers we need to use are devolved. It wouldn't cost lots of money to use these powers to help people. Among the proposals are calls to create schemes to help people with their council tax bills, when they invest in their homes to make them more energy efficient and giving more powers to local authorities to help people with council tax bills when there are extenuating circumstances. Other recommendations include making the Scottish debt arrangement scheme fairer. This is the only scheme of its type in the UK which makes it easier for people to pay off their debts. Law reform could mitigate the effects of wage arrestments for people in debt like we did for bank account arrestments in the recent coronavirus bill and increase the powers the courts have to give people greater time to pay especially in relation to consumer debts such as car finance agreements. We can also give people stronger protection from those they owe money to when they are suffering from long-term mental and physical health problems and strike a more equitable balance between the rights of creditors and those in debt. The Scottish Parliament could redress the imbalance where many consumers are squeezed by unfair charges. For example, private parking charges are devolved because they are based on Scots contractual law Typical Private Parking Charges are £80 to £100 with a £60 admin fee if not paid promptly. Contrast a Council Parking Charge Notice (PCN), which is £60 but reduced to £30 if paid within 14 days of issue. Scotland could be the first UK home nation to tackle the problem of overpriced Private Parking Charges particularly since the UK government dropped its proposed private parking code of practice last month, which would have aligned charges more closely with PCNs. Alan said, there might not just be one solution, but that's understandable because there is not just one problem. However, we do have a responsibility to start strapping everything down and improving what we can before this cost-of-living crisis really crashes into the household finances of Scottish families. Last week, a new Sheriff Principal Practice Note for Scotland's eviction courts took effect. It provides that cases should not be assisted, frozen, for payment or continued more than once unless exceptional circumstances are proven. Many social tenants facing eviction in receipt of social security benefits can only afford a few pounds per week to rent arrears and their cases can be frozen in court for a year or more until the debt is reduced. The case can then be dismissed with no impact on the tenant's credit rating. The new court guidance looks set to subject many tenants to payment decrees with a negative impact on credit scores or worse, more evidential hearings with the risk of eviction orders and homelessness. This is something a cost of living crisis bill could address. This article was by Mike Daly.
1: From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 19th of July, 2022, from the news section. Transport Cops Warn Alcohol Is Banned From Trains As Variety Of Booze Seized by Lauren Brownlee Transport Cops Have Reminded Those Travelling On Trains That Alcohol Is Banned A photograph posted by British Transport Police West Scotland shows a huge haul of booze that has been seized from travellers. The transport officers wrote, we want everyone to enjoy the sunshine, but a reminder if travelling by train that alcohol is currently prohibited on At Scott Rail services. Officers across the West Coast are working with At Scott Rail and At Police Scotland to ensure you get where you are going safely. Hashtag Safer Shores. A ban on drinking alcohol on trains came into force in November 2020. The news comes as Scotland basks in a heatwave and thousands are heading to beaches across the country. Temperatures have reached as high as 28 degrees in Glasgow. We previously reported that a huge collection of alcohol was seized from beachgoers in Ayrshire yesterday. Local police shared a photograph on social media showing the massive haul of cans and glass bottles which had been collected by just 3pm stacked across the length of two picnic benches. A caption stated that the booze was confiscated, quotes, to prevent those intent on causing disorder and antisocial behaviour at our beaches. Close With more warm weather predicted for today, police have reminded visitors of the laws surrounding public drinking in the area. That article was by Lauren Brownlee. Evening Times, July 20.
5: Opinion Nicholas Sturgeon says. It is no surprise Glasgow was voted friendliest city in the world. It was brilliant to see Glasgow voted fourth best city to visit in the world last week in an influential survey, which helps people explore and experience the best places around the world. As well as fourth overall, Edinburgh was number one. Timeouts Guide also ranked Glasgow as the friendliest city in the world, a fact which comes as absolutely no surprise to those of us who live here or visit regularly. It is a reminder that Scotland has so much to offer anyone who wants to visit. This is true not just of Glasgow and Edinburgh but all parts of our beautiful country as proven by the immensely successful hosting of the 150th Open Championship in St Andrews over the weekend. I was glad to have the opportunity to to visit the Home of Golf on Friday, to acknowledge such a huge and welcome boost to our tourism and hospitality industries, especially after more than two years of disruption caused by the pandemic. It was great to see so many visitors from across the world, once again enjoying Scotland's beautiful scenery and top class food and drink. Much has happened in UK politics since I wrote my last column, including the resignation of Boris Johnson as Prime Minister. It won't come as a surprise to anyone to hear my view that this did not come a moment too soon. Although many in Scotland, will have felt a sense of relief that the chaos of Boris Johnson's tenure as Prime Minister is coming to an end. The fact remains that one Prime Minister Scotland did not vote for is about to be replaced by yet another. It is also extremely concerning that the change of theory leader seems certain to be accompanied by a shift even further to the right. And of course, a shift to the right from the Tories means a shift even further away from the mainstream of Scottish opinion and values. So far, we have seen the candidates for Prime Minister promise tax cuts for the rich, cuts to public spending and public services. They have also launched blatant attacks on devolution and the powers of the Scottish Parliament. While families and households across the country are trying to navigate a severe cost of living crisis caused by rising inflation and stagnant wages, we have heard next to nothing from any of these potential prime ministers on what they will do to alleviate these pressures. Every minute, the Tories spend squabbling over who gets to 10 down the street comes at the cost of support and investment to help people across the country who are struggling now. It is not good enough for the UK government ministers to promise an update in due course. Energy bills are sky high and rising now. And with every day that passes, people become more anxious about how to pay these bills and feed their kids. Action is needed and it must be both significant and immediate. The fact is that the cost of living crisis, which is the worst in living memory, has been made worse by decisions of Boris Johnson's government, not least Brexit and its many damaging consequences. No changing of the Westminster Guard will reverse those decisions, nor will it set the UK on a better track. The problems Scotland faces as a result of Westminster control run far deeper than any one individual. And the latest Tory leadership pantomime has brought into focus the significant and increasing democratic deficit that Scotland suffers as part of the UK. No matter who becomes the next prime minister, it will be someone Scotland did not vote for, and they will impose policies we don't support. The issues that people here are focused on, tackling child poverty, supporting the recovery of our NHS, building a fairer economy and making a just transition to net zero will be hindered, not helped by whoever becomes prime minister in the weeks ahead. All of that underlines the necessity in my view of Scotland moving from Westminster control to independence. Finally, a word about COVID. COVID cases have been rising over the last six weeks, and while vaccines are helping reduce the risk of serious illness, the sheer volume of cases is putting a strain on our NHS and the economy. If you haven't yet been vaccinated with your first, second or booster dose, For whatever reason, you can still visit drop-in clinics across the country. A further booster vaccination will also be offered from September to those at highest risk of severe disease. This will include residents in care homes, frontline health and social care workers, adults over 50 and pregnant women. The key message through this is, If you are eligible for any dose of vaccine, make sure you get it. It could save your life and it will help protect those around you. Controlling COVID will be key to alleviating pressure on our NHS as we move back into a busy winter period. So please continue taking care when in busy public spaces and stay at home if you have symptoms, says Nicola Sturgeon. Evening Times, July 18. Opinion. Mike Daly says it's time for a cost of living crisis bill to protect us all. Last month, the Scottish Parliament passed the Coronavirus Recovery and Reform Scotland bill, which made a number of temporary COVID-19 public health protections permanent. The challenges of the pandemic have now been superseded by the UK's 40 year high rate of inflation and soaring energy bills. Our growing cost of living crisis is causing more financial misery for people than the COVID-19 pandemic. We have had no strategic emergency response from the Scottish government. No cost of living emergency bill Why not? The Scottish government has increased the means tested Scottish child payment to £20 per week, which helps around 104,000 children under the age of six. If this payment is extended to older children at the end of this year, it may help another 300,000 young persons. Debt law is devolved to the Scottish Parliament and with more people finding themselves in unmanageable debt, surely it is time for the Scottish Government to do more before things get worse. Alan McIntosh thinks so. He's a Glasgow anti-debt campaigner who runs the Financial Conduct Authority authorized website AdviceScotland.com and believes the Scottish government should bring forward urgent legislation to help people with the cost of living crisis. He has made 22 proposals that could help people in the coming months. Some of these are novel. Some have already been made by parliamentary committees like the Social Justice and Social Security Committee, while some are lessons learned from England. Others are proposals from groups like Citizens Advice Scotland and Christians Against Poverty, who are at the face of helping people with money troubles. Speaking about the need for new legislation, Alan said, It is true the UK government could be doing more to help people, but it is equally true they cannot fix everything as some of the problems are global in nature and some of the powers we need to use are devolved. It wouldn't cost lots of money to use these powers to help people. Among the proposals are calls to create schemes to help people with their council tax bills. When they invest in their homes to make them more energy efficient and giving more powers to local authorities to help people with council tax bills when there are extenuating circumstances. Other recommendations include making the Scottish Debt Arrangement Scheme fairer. This is the only scheme of its type in the UK, which makes it easier for people to pay off their debts. Law reform could mitigate the effects of wage arrestments for people in debt like we did for bank account arrestments in the recent coronavirus bill and increase the powers the courts have to give people greater time to pay, especially in relation to consumer debts such as car finance agreements. We can also give people stronger protection from those they owe money to when they are suffering from long-term mental and physical health problems and strike a more equitable balance between the rights of creditors and those in debt. The Scottish Parliament could redress the imbalance where many consumers are squeezed by unfair charges. For example, private parking charges are devolved because they are based on Scots' contractual law. Typical private parking charges are £80 to £100 with a £60 admin fee if not paid promptly. Contrast a council parking charge notice, a PCN, which is £60 but reduced to £30 if paid within 14 days of issue. Scotland could be the first UK home nation to tackle the problem of overpriced private parking charges, particularly since the UK government dropped its proposed private parking code of practice last month, which would have aligned charges more closely with PCNs. Alan said, there might not just be one solution, but that's understandable because there is not just one problem. However, we do have a responsibility to start strapping everything down and improving what we can before this cost of living crisis really crashes into the household finances of Scottish families. Last week, a new share of principle practice note for Scotland's eviction courts took effect. It provides that cases should not be assisted that's frozen for payment or continued more than once, unless exceptional circumstances are proven. Many social tenants facing eviction in receipt of social security benefits can only afford a few pounds per week to rent arrears and their cases can be frozen in court for a year or more until the debt is reduced. The case can then be dismissed with no impact on the tenant's credit rating. The new court guidance looks set to subject many tenants to payment decrees with a negative impact on credit scores or worse, more evidential hearings with the risk of eviction orders and homelessness. This is something a cost of living crisis bill could address, says Mike Daly. Evening times. July 18. Lifestyle. Archives reveal how Glasgow Fair Fortnight became city's favourite holiday. A report by Dr Irene O'Brien of Glasgow City Archives. Glasgow Fair is one of the oldest holidays in Scotland. It began with a focus on trade, later becoming known for its amusements and then the city's holiday fortnight. The fair was established in the 1190s when Bishop Jocelyn of Glasgow was granted the right to hold an annual eight-day fair in July by William the Lion. Its original emphasis was in trade, primarily of horse, cattle and produce markets first held within the boundaries of Glasgow Cathedral. People often travelled a distance to buy and sell at Glasgow fair markets, which were free from tolls and under the protection of the King. Food and drink stalls and popular entertainments were laid on for fair goers. By the beginning of the 19th century, when the markets had removed to other parts of the city, the focus shifted from trade to entertainment. The fair evolved to become an annual festival of circuses, fairground rides, shows, and other amusements where customers, especially the working classes, could watch the performance of touring actors and entertainers for a small entrance fee the booths and stalls were crowded round Glasgow Green and Salt Market. In 1815 a ground rent for stallholders was introduced and the proceeds went initially to the cost of maintaining the city's wells. The city archives hold the council accounts and those for 1815 list the entertainment and attractions offered to Glasgow citizens and its visitors during the fair. This included a punches opera, waxworks and dwarfs, wild beasts, broadsword exercise, and a fat pig. During the fair in eighteen fifteen, Glaswegians could also enjoy three circuses, one of which was Codona, whose act was described as tumbling and deceptions. Frank Codona, who had settled in Scotland in the 19th century, founded the Codona Circus dynasty, who became the greatest international circus stars of the first half of the 20th century. The fair continued to provide amazing entertainment and attractions, including the appearance in about 1827 of a Monsieur Chabert, who promised to enter a hot oven and swallow phosphorus. As the event evolved into an annual festival of circuses, fairground rides, shows and amusements, Glasgow's industrialists gave their workers their annual holiday during the week of the fair. In time, Glaswegians began to spend their holidays in the countryside or in the towns and villages on the Firth of Clyde and Ayrshire coast, travelling doon on paddle steamers. It became a fair fortnight for many workers after World War One. In 1871, the shows moved to Vinegar Hill in Kamlachy, but the fair returned to the green in the 20th century, to a new home on Flesher's Hoch. Report by Dr Irene O'Brien of Glasgow City Archives.
0: And that was this week's Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.